This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to The World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. In this episode, we'll be talking to Jim Hayes, a digital docent and long-term Wikipedia editor from DC. Fanula, did you know that Wikipedia has a birthday? I didn't. But actually, before we get to the birthday, uh, Rebecca, what is a docent? Because that is not a word I have come across. I know we had this conversation. I was like, it's a museum thing. Everybody knows what a docent is. No. Obvious. So... A docent is a person, very often, quite often a retiree, uh, who volunteers giving tours and other visitor facilitation in a museum or a cultural setting. The term denotes an individual that has a level of knowledge about a collection, locality, or a period of history relevant to that institution. So in this case, as Jim volunteers his time for online activities and outreach, he refers to himself as a digital docent. Yeah. Okay. So now that I know that and it's out of the way, tell me about Wikipedia's birthday. So Wikipedia's official birthday is the 15th of January 2001. Ooh, happy birthday. Which is when the original English language version of the encyclopedia was launched, which makes Wikipedia 20. Very old. Almost can drink in America. Almost. It can drink and vote uh, in most... In most other places. Exactly. And unsurprisingly, this event is marked by celebrations and this year virtual meetups all around the world. So for us in Ireland, it is doubly exciting as January is also the birthday month of Wikipedia. I don't have an exact date uh, mm. for it, but you know we'll, we'll roll it in there uh, for the Irish language Wikipedia. So do you have anything special planned given the double birthday there? Are there any celebrities appearing on a Zoom meeting or anything like that? So I have to admit, uh, locally, we don't have anything very special planned beyond our first monthly virtual meetup for 2021, uh, which is through the TOG hackerspace here in Dublin, uh, through their Discord. And that's a regular meetup that we hold on the last Wednesday of every month. We should put that into the show notes in case people want to come along to your, your meetup. Yes, there will be lots of uh, timely links, I think, in, in the show notes <laughs> uh, for this month or for this episode. Uh, but in normal times, we would usually have cake, you know, also in you know coming out of the, the winter fugue, you know, out of Christmas, you know, to soften us into the new year, I would usually have cake. Uh, so I suppose I could probably try and send people some virtual cake or cookies. Um, virtual cookies are not quite the same thing. <laughs> No, they're really not. They're really not. I do have to say that uh, obviously the 15th holds special meaning for me as well, because it is my wedding anniversary. Oh, which wasn't planned. That was a great day. (laughs) It just coincidentally, after we set the date, I went, oh, oh. You'll never forget it. No, I won't now. You'll never forget it. (laughs) So there are lots of plans uh, for events internationally, though. So lots of different uh, chapters and uh, thematic groups and different language groups are doing their own birthday celebrations, uh, including a central event by the Wikimedia Foundation, which will be live streamed on YouTube on the 15th of January. And we'll pop a link into the show notes if anybody wants to join that live stream. So obviously that's what you're going to be doing for your wedding anniversary. Obviously that and talking to somebody that I'm interviewing for one of the upcoming shows. <laughs> Can't not be said that I'm, I'm you know, dedicated to the I'm, cause. I'm so romantic. Just so romantic. Yeah. But speaking of virtual cookies and cake and related items, for our random rule, 
For some, this would not be a rule necessarily, but for many others on Wikipedia, it's a really important thing to do. And that's on Wikipedia, you have a few ways that you can thank your fellow editors for their work. Oh, now tell me more about this, because I do like a good thank you. It goes a long way. It does. And research shows that it, it does go an awfully long way, actually, if you thank your fellow, fellow editors. But Wikipedians have two options when it comes to it, if they want to give their fellow editor kudos. Well, actually, that's not quite right. But there are two mechanisms, at least mechanisms this sounds an awful lot like the difference between a rule and a pillar but anyway continue it's always nuance so the first is a very simple thank function which on any article which is on any article's uh, history page so if you're looking at an article on wikipedia you'll have your article but you'll also in the kind of over to the right hand side of the corner you'll see that there's a history tab and if you go on that you can see all of the edits that have been made to an article and if you are a logged in editor you have a little function to thank any individual edit that has happened. So if somebody makes a great edit, like cleans up an article, takes away some vandalism, or even adds a new photograph, you can go to the history page and you can thank that individual edit and the, the editor for that individual edit they've made. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Yes, it's very simple. You know, it's very kind yeah. of, and as a, you know, if you're the editor gets thanked, you just get a little kind of notification kind of saying such and such has thanked you for this edit and you can go and look at the difference and see what. So quite often people will thank people for creating an article or for, right. you know, adding a really high quality image or, you know, something, something like that. Um, yeah. And it's just a way of kind of saying, I've noticed that you've done this. The second way is a little bit more involved and generally, I suppose, means a little bit more. And that is a barn star. A barn star. What on earth is a barn star? So a barn star is quite an American thing. Uh, they are literally, in the real world, they are literally stars that are affixed to barns in the US. And they're usually made from scrap wood, but they have a quite a, a distinctive look about them. Okay. So coming from the American community, you know, they probably fixed, I don't know the actual, I haven't read about the actual history of why it became barn stars. It's probably lost to the annals of time, or Andrew could probably tell us actually. But in this context, there are a wide variety of barn stars that you can, so a bit like a gold star that you get from your, your teacher or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's the kind of the, the feeling behind them. Yeah. So you can award a fellow editor on their talk page. So again, you're signed in, you go, you see somebody's done something especially good or has been doing a body of really good work. You can go to their talk page and you can give what's referred to as wiki love. So there's a little heart and you press on that and you can give a general barn star, which is just kind of a general kind of your plain gold star. Um, or there's very specific ones like for copy editing, for anti-vandalism, for being extra civil, you know, for having kind of, you know, for perhaps mediating conversations, that kind of thing, or for just having a really good sense of humor. Okay. But as well as barn stars, if you press on Wiki Love, you have a few other um, options. You can give food, which can be uh, a welcoming uh, plate of cookies for a new editor. Again, are these real cookies or virtual cookies? They are virtual cookies, Ugh. but not the ones that follow you around the internet. So okay. they're a better form of cookie. Okay. I suppose we would call them biscuits. We wouldn't be calling them cookies. But um, you could also give a cup of tea, uh, a stroopwafel, some baklava. Oh, stroopwafel. Yes, yes. Stroopwaffles are kind of unofficially the food of Wikimedians, but we can get into that in another episode. <laughs> oh, please. You can also give baklava. You can also award somebody a kitten. Everything right. Or a goat. Goats. I mean, kittens, cookies, stroopwaffle, I understand, but like goats. To be fair, the goat thing, uh, that's probably for another day as well. Wikidata people love goats. They goatify things. Okay. Uh, so if you want to thank somebody on Wikipedia, you can do it through the medium of goats. I'm. We will circle back. For Klimt. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it is a German thing. I don't know if it was a German editor who came up with the goat thing, but uh, we can yeah. get into goatification. At a later point. Yes. Maybe maybe our 
We do last episode of the season or something. We do like wiki that. data dive yes. and we can find somebody the source of the goats. And now my chat with Jim and his work that he's been doing for over 10 years with Wikimedia projects in DC. As a heads up, there's a bit of interference on the audio during our conversation, but hopefully it won't detract too much from the great chat that we had. I'm Jim Hayes. I'm a volunteer member of Wikimedia DC. Also, I've strayed off into Wikisource user group. And I've, you know, for the past decade, I've been coming to uh, a lot of our local events with our local galleries, libraries, archives, and museum institutions in my hometown of Washington, D.C. And I kind of, uh, I fill this role as a digital docent. So digital methods for museums is kind of a new and changing ecosystem and landscape. And so I'm kind of training up the um, the museum docents and curators and what is all this digital humanity stuff? And what's this weird place called Wikipedia? So it's been a lot of fun. How did you actually get started editing Wikipedia? What was your, your in, your first edits? You know, I started doing local history articles. And also I had a high school buddy who was a novelist. And it said he was Italian when I knew very well that he, you know, he's a yank. So sorry. Had to had to fix the internet one article at a time. And getting started with museums. So I, you know, for local history in Washington D.C. ten years ago, we had this uh, Wiki Ten meetup at the National Archives. That was a lot of fun. And uh, David Ferriero, our um, archivist of the United States, hosted us. And there was this graduate student there named uh, Sarah Sturch. And she was working on these public articles and had um, Dave a lightning talk on it. And then that summer, she became Wikimedian at residence at the Smithsonian. It was a lot of fun. She kind of spearheaded that effort locally. And we were off and running. So that Wiki 10 meetup was kind of, was it the starting point for an awful lot of kind of the, of the work that's been done locally since then, do you think? Yes. So, you know, back 10 years ago, our meetups tended to be pizza parties. All these uh, strange people would come out of their basements and say hi. But we lacked structure and uh, and kind of focus. But then we started down this, uh, this glam task flow and it gave us lots of work to do to team up with our local museums. Again, in Washington, D.C., we're spoiled. We have all these museums that are free to enter. Uh, and we had kind of this big triad of cultural institutions. So we have our Smithsonian Institution, thanks to that wonderful person, James Smithson. We have our uh, National Archives and Record Administration, where, again, a lot of genealogy is done, but also war records and things. And they're the custodian for a lot of federal documents of our federal government. And then we have our Library of Congress. And these are all free to use for researchers. And they're kind of the custodians of a lot of our culture. So you're very much kind of at the, the font head of an awful lot of these things. And again, they're well-established. They've got a lot of resources. But again, we, we kind of... This uh, interaction with Wikipedia was new, and so we were doing trial and error, trying new things, and we made the mistakes so do you don't have to. So a lot of the lessons we learned are we're kind of starting to roll out for smaller museums now, and the you know the using the internet, interacting, being a good partner with uh, Wikipedia, it give, really helps smaller institutions leverage their content and gain them more views and visibility. Yes, yeah, so that that impact is always a big piece of why 
why the argument for museums to get involved. You know, open knowledge is kind of a movement, and it's it's always kind of a um, confidence issue with institutions. Is you know, if we if we share our content. How are we going to pay to digitize it? And so after 10 years, these larger institutions that could afford to take the risk on opening up their content have now have the case studies done. And we've seen that it was a, it was a winning tactic or strategy, and we're not going back. And we're moving on and finding new ways of linking content on the internet. So that's one of the things that I think comes up quite a lot is that smaller institutions might look to the Smithsonian or the British Museum, but say that perhaps the work that they've done isn't very replicable? How do you make it accessible to the smaller institutions out there? Yes. Again, I'd say, you know, what's nice about the the uh, Wikimedia platforms is that they give you free hosting service. So, you know, if you're missing, you don't have to do your own database of your collection. You can host it over at Wikidata, you know, and you don't necessarily have to manage all of your, you know, have your separate server for your images. You could host them over at Commons. So there's some free resources there that institutions can use. And then by host, by putting them over a Wikipedia, it makes it much easier for people to link to you and find you and and uh, and visit your website ultimately to find, you know, what the base, uh, you know, your base reality or your base information is about your collection. And I think increasingly they're starting to understand that there's people go to Wikipedia regardless of how wonderful your website is. That's kind of the, the entry point. Yeah, the Smithsonian was saying that, yeah, by... Once they started linking, the viewage of their website increased uh, tenfold to a hundredfold. And they were saying that inbound links from Wikipedia were greater than Facebook, Twitter, and all the other um, social media that they were working on. Again, so even if you don't have a social media person because you're small, you know, we've got volunteers that kind of can kind of backfill some of those roles. And, uh, you know, so make some good partnerships with your local Wikipedia and, you know, you can gain some visibility. And, and again, you know, from the Wikipedia point of view is, you know, we need the references and the citations, you know, we want to share the knowledge, you know, so that's, that's kind of the win-win here and why we're, you know, why we're better together as partners. What, what outcome from all this work that you've done with various GLAM institutions, and I suppose that Sony in, in particular, are you most proud of? Yes, uh, this year was exciting because because before lockdown uh, in February, um, uh, Smithsonian has released all of their uh, metadata CC zero. So that was very exciting. So previously, in you know in the states, um, the Metropolitan Museum had done that, and uh, the Cleveland Museum of Art had done that, and so now Smithsonian's on board, and we're not looking back. Is there um, anything that's really surprised you about the work that you've been engaged with? past 12 years yeah again what surprised me was kind of the breadth you know when i was when i was starting you know i was just a little editor writing some articles you know and uh so probably lack of imagination i didn't imagine how broad and deep we could actually make this sharing of knowledge you know and now we've gone to wikidata so i you know i didn't even imagine linked open data back in the day and now this is for especially for librarians this is right in their wheelhouse they understand that um you know because especially if they have a cataloging background that you know if we if we link metadata across institutions we can do so much more, you know the institutions kind of build off of each other and reinforce each other i think for you know it always appealed to me because you kind of think of the the idea that came in the 1960s of the museum without walls 
Yes. Things that are really disparate can be brought together. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we've there was always this vision of how do we push things out into the public, and it's we've always kind of remained stovepipe, and there's always been kind of institutional issues preventing us. But now, um, I think open knowledge and the sharing and the the licensing, you know, putting stuff in public domain and late, clearly labeling it that way removes that barrier, makes it easier to share things. So we've been talking kind of, I suppose, really big picture, kind of the. The work that you've done over a very long period of time uh, within the glam institutions locally but what from the point of view of say somebody who's never been you know to a wiki meetup or to an edit-a-thon what does it actually mean on the ground you know so you're working with an institution what kind of events or work do you do with them to get the partnership going yeah so you know, a lot, as you know, being a Wikimedian residence, it's a lot of just building the partnership and building rapport. And again, the, the in-person meetups were great for that because we could share some stories. And then, you know, eventually we'd get around to the meat and potatoes of creating some content, you know, and reusing, you know, linking to the content in the institution. Uh, you know, so... Typically with Smithsonian, you know, they have an they have a art archive. So we would take their finding aids and then use those and use the content uh, in their collection. You know, the archival photos of the artist and things like that to build the biography of the artist that was much more accessible and visible uh, to the average um, you know search engine internet user. And then from there, a lot of things spun out from that. So now we're you know with Education Foundation, they're teaching writing skills and teaching people how to search the internet, credibility coalition, working on, you know, how do we evaluate source reliability, which is a, you know, here's another uh, naughty problem that Wikipedia turned up and is crowdsourcing the solution to, I guess. On a kind of a personal note, do you have a, a favorite kind of area of content or something that you keep coming back to or perhaps a, an article that you are particularly proud of? Yeah, well, I, I uh, those two I mentioned, again, I had less input on these two articles, but they kind of showed uh, a sustained effort by the Smithsonian and us to improve them. So the Alma Thomas article is interesting. She was a um, Washington Color School artist whose papers are at the Archives of American Art, and she has some paintings in the Smithsonian. A uh, local artist went to Howard University. Very exciting. And again, that took, uh, what, five years to build up. Some, and again, it wasn't the work of one specific editor. And the same thing with the Greek Slave uh, article. So again, that's a sculpture that's uh, the plaster cast is in the... Um, is working plaster cast is in the Smithsonian. And then that has some historical, uh, you know, American sculpture is, you know, came out of the 1800s there. And so it was an interesting kind of political statement about slavery and then also uh, evoking the classical uh, past. And sculpture was kind of, you know, we had been kind of painting 2D focused and so trying to work on a sculpture article was a, was a stretch for some of the uh, fine arts articles. Again, we're blessed in Washington, D.C. with a lot of public art. So we had, a, we had started with our list article of uh, public art in Washington, D.C., which we had to split into eight articles because there's so many. And 
And it's good because now some of those Confederate statues are gone. And we actually have an article about the statue that used to be there. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, statuaries definitely taken on a whole new meaning. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. We think of sculpture outside as permanently fixed. But, you know, about 100 years, we get a little rotation, you know, and they get moved around and people, you know, say, who was that person? Get rid of it. It's interesting. Actually, from the Irish context, we're far more comfortable with getting rid of statues. That's something we <laughs> started doing early on. Uh, so if you look at all the articles for the main cities in, in, in Ireland, they will all have a section that says past sculpture. Uh, yeah, so we're familiar. <laughs> well, it's good in the database. You can you can have a end date, which is good. <laughs> you know, you can say, well, it was there and then it moved on. and. seems to have been involved with Wikipedia for a very long time. Yeah, and involved quite quite deeply. Um, I suppose in some ways there have been this kind of really great spontaneous groups have appeared. Mm-hmm. So he kind of talks about how, uh, so they brought Wikimania to DC and they did, a, uh, so 10 years ago they had, uh, when Wikipedia was, was 10, they had this big kind of seminal meetup in DC, which kind of led to an awful lot of people being in the room, which is, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of how the Irish group got started. You know, we all kind of out serendipitously ended up in one room and, and the group got going. But an awful lot of it was just kind of accident of who's in the room and the serendipity and, and who gets chatting to who and things like that. But um, yeah, really fascinating work, really great work. And he gave me lots of really interesting links uh, to some of the stuff that he references during our chat. So we'll put all of those into the show notes as well if you want to follow up on the Excellent. individual articles or the projects that he's been engaged with. Oh, that's wonderful. We do have a longer version of this interview and actually of all of our interviews. And they're going to be available over the next few weeks at the Shiny New Headstuff Plus site. I'm very excited about this. If you're a fan of this show and our ramblings or any of the shows in this network, you should join Headstuff Plus. The new site is the one-stop shop for everything on the network. And by becoming a member, you can get behind the scenes access, bonus episodes, exclusive interviews, early access to events, merchandise, and lots more for all of the podcasts on the network. Not just ours, although obviously ours is the most important podcast and that's why you would be subscribing. And as Fanua said, for our podcast, you'll get the longer versions of our guest interviews with bonus chit chat. So lots of really interesting conversation that didn't make it into each of the episodes. It's just five euro a month plus VAT. And when you sign up, no matter what shows or shows you are supporting, you'll still get access to everything, all of the bonus material for all of the shows on the network. So it's a bargain, really. So for all the details and to become part of the community and to sign up, visit headstuffpodcast.com. Now, sticking with our glam theme and the power of releasing institutional collections, this episode's hero is the University of Leiden. So why are they our hero? In December 2020, the university announced that they had published over 4,000 images relating to Africa under an open license on Wikimedia Commons, which means they can be used on all language Wikipedias. This is huge news as it enables editors to illustrate existing articles with relevant and high quality images, as well as possibly identify new articles to create based on the subject matter. Well, that's marvellous. I know how important open license images are to Wikipedia and how it enhances uh, articles on the site. Yeah, so... You know, having pictures that are traditionally underrepresented parts of the world is even more important. So there's obviously lots of photographs of, you know, most European countries in the States, mm-hmm. Australia and things like that. But these images are from the Library of African Studies Centre in Leiden. And the images span the whole continent from the 1910s right up to 2019. 
including a collection from a field trip in the 1960s by a group of students and professors through Chad, Nigeria and Senegal. Hmm. So these are, you know, this is amazing work. And it's obviously, you know, adds an awful lot of historical content that perhaps, you know, is, is more difficult to replicate on the ground. But there is also a lot of amazing work being done in these countries locally now through campaigns like Wiki Loves Africa and Wiki Loves Folklore, which comes around in February each year. But having such a diverse, you know, historically diverse set of images available both in and outside the continent is hugely powerful. Yeah. And again, if you want to take a look at some of the really interesting photographs have been uploaded, we have a link in our show notes. I can't wait to check them out. But also like to point out that a, a minor wiki hero is our Rebecca herself, because last year she completed 365 articles on Wikipedia. 366. Oh, 366. <laughs> it was a leap year. Yeah, of course I chose yeah. a sodding leap year. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I had a list of 400 red links, so 400 articles that I had noticed that didn't exist. And the li- the list was only getting longer. So I decided, right, that's it. I had to pin myself to the collar to actually get into these. So started off with 400 on my to-do list. I now have, uh, I think, just over 180. So the maths definitely does not add up on that. So I've been adding to the list as much as I have been taking away from it. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. I do have to admit it wasn't solidly every single day because I did have I did have surgery in 2020. So there, I did give myself a pass for when I was under general anaesthetic. That seems reasonable. Mm. But you still did the 366 articles. I did. I did as well as my general flu turner in the place that I usually do, yeah. you know, expanding and working with student groups and all the fantastic people that I've gotten to work with in 2020. The happy new year, everyone. <laughs> yes. Happy new year. Yeah, obviously. It's got to be better. It has to be better. Uh, we won't comment on the quality of the year thus far. <laughs> and that was The World According to Wikipedia. Join us in two weeks. You can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Thanks to Patricia O'Flaherty for our artwork and Headstuff for production assistance. Go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes and more information. My ramblings? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Putting goddamn words in my mouth. <laughs> this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.